Has a chance. He, I'm just I, a civil servant. I know he. Lance, 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 either, Lance either retired. He, he got to be looking for some, some work a little bit. No. But you're a funny guy. What do you, what do you do? You just sort of stand around and photobomb people. No, no, I'm calling with TMZ. I know you. I'm just giving you a hard. Okay, time. man. We love your work, though, man. You crack me up. Did you go to NYU? No, my sister did. Great school. Was you in law school there? No, she did. Um, she's a, she's a actually, she did journalism also. Yeah, but it's she a wonderful just, school. Yeah. So you go around bothering people? <laughs> no, no. Actually, we we find interesting people. <laughs> what did you have to What did you have to eat? I know you're no, like no, steak no. dinner. No, no, no. Come on, man. <laughs>the guy they hate, Clarence Thomas. I'm the other guy they hate, Dave Rubin. It is June 29th, 2023, and it is a great day for America. It is a great day for equality over equity. It is a great day for individual rights. It's a great day for meritocracy. It's a great day for hard work. It's a great day for everything that I talk about relentlessly on this show all the time, because in the last half hour, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States, that's the big court that does all the stuff, uh, they have reversed the affirmative action clause, in essence, that allowed uh, colleges and universities to discriminate based on race. So let's just get to that. This is on the fly. We're getting info real quick on this. Uh, so let's get to that real quick and then we'll get to the rest of the show today that we had planned for you. This is from NBC. The Supreme Court issued a six to three divided ruling on a pair of challenges to affirmative action policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina with potential implications across higher education and beyond. The court ruled against the program, saying the majority of, saying in the majority opinion that the systems in place lack sufficiently focused and measurable objectives warranting the use of race, unavoidably employ race in a negative manner, involve racial stereotyping, and lack meaningful endpoints. Those admission programs cannot be reconciled with the guarantees of the Equal Protection Clause, but the court did not rule out race entirely in admission programs, adding nothing prohibits universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected the applicant's life so long as the discussion is concretely tied to a quality of character or unique ability that the particular applicant can contribute to the university. So let's just be very, very clear on this. First off, again, this is really great. We are, we are reversing. We are eliminating systemic racism, right? So the left and the progressives and the Democrats and all the lunatics that are on MSNBC right now screaming about this and the view which is on right now, and I have no doubt that they're all going particularly batshit right now, they love systemic racism, that there's somehow systemic racism in the system, that the system is built in a way that allows for racism. Now, it really didn't exist, except, as I have said many times over the last couple of years, one of the last places that systemic racism existed. Not just racism, people are racist. You're gonna find racists here and there. Individual racists are gonna make individual choices, and that's just part of the human condition, and you'd have to kill an awful lot of people if you wanna get rid of that. The best thing you can do is teach people why racism and collectivism is bad. But, but basically, the last place that systemic racism existed in America was college admissions. And what was happening, 
uh, was that at places like Harvard, they were discriminating particularly against Asian students because they wanted, for whatever reason, because, because leftists view the world through a racial prism, they wanted more black students. So the average person might go, oh, they wanna help black students, and that's very nice. But of course, by helping somebody, you have to punish somebody else. And I'm not for punishing anyone based on race. I don't think that an Asian kid, whether he's a third generation, uh, let's say his grandparents came from China and probably came with nothing and busted their butts and cared about education and family and hard work and everything else, or whether he's a second generation or first generation immigrant from South Korea, let's say, and the parents owned a bodega and busted their ass and all of those things and they do it all right, I don't think they should be discriminated against anywhere, and the Supreme Court of the United States agrees. So what we are now going to see over the next couple days and weeks is the hysteria that the left offers with basically everything, but they will not have arguments against this because there is no good argument for discrimination. And it will be the people that, you know, they're for tolerance and diversity and everything else, they will be now arguing for racism because that's what this was. And by the way, as Brock pointed out as we were talking this out right before, this will just further their goals in a weird way, right? So this is very, very good for America. It's very good for freedom-loving people and everything else. But for the set of people that want to burn it all down, which is basically all of the modern Democrats and the progressives and the, and the Antifa base and the BLM people, what they will say is this proves that the court is corrupt and that capitalism is evil and everything else. But it is complete nonsense and it really is a great day for equality. You know, Harvard, by the way, uh, has been doing this for a hundred plus years, a hundred years ago at Harvard, they were discriminating. They felt that they had too many Jews. Jews were working hard. Family was important. They were doing well in education. They had too many Jews. So they started discriminating against Jews, quotas against Jews, kind of like a Nazi type thing. Then they just moved the ball and now they discriminate against Asians. And by the way, when you're discriminating against Asians because you want more black people, you're also in essence discriminating against whites. So this is very good. We are eliminating systemic racism, but we caught this on the fly. What's going on over at MSNBC? They're freaking out. We don't have the answers just yet. We're going to read in real quick. Let Julia do what she needs to do. Our Lord Jared's reading the opinion as well as we await the outcome in this decision. What's going through your mind right now, Catherine? That's a big one. And I just, it was funny. Before we started, I asked Charles what law school he went to. He went to Howard. I had a different experience. It was me, Sonia, and Bob, three black students in my graduating class in law school in 1988. Love my law school, but that's not a good thing. And they've now increased the black student population. And if this decision comes out a way that it shouldn't, depending on your political beliefs, then you were gonna go back to a three person, black person class in the class of 200. And that's just not a good thing. What's very odd is that this woman is taking the racist position. She somehow thinks that in the free marketplace of ideas, and if you do things based on merit, that somehow black people cannot succeed. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. I think that everyone has a chance to succeed. But once you say to a certain set of people, because of the color of your skin, we will let you in, let's say, an advanced high school more easily. And then we'll also let you into college more easily. And we'll let you into this uh, grad school more easily or this program, this uh, whatever it might be. You want to become a pilot. You're going to get this 
into here, uh, this flight school, you're gonna get in more easily, or you wanna become a doctor, you're gonna get into med school more easily. What you do over time is actually crush all of our services. We will have pilots who will not know how to fly. We will have doctors who do not know how to operate. And, and again, it's very odd. Now, if you found out that the school that this woman went to was actively discriminating against black people, that would be a problem, right? Because you don't want discrimination going in either way. But if they were just doing the right thing, which is just looking at the, the grades, looking at the grades, looking at the quality of the student, race had nothing to do with it. Think how insane it is. You go to the doctor. We all have this, right? You go to the doctor, you, go, you sign up for almost anything these days. Are you black? Are you white? What genitals do you have? Do you identify with those genitals? We've whittled and atomized ourselves into the things that are the least important in the name of tolerance when it usually is based in bigotry. But it continues, and this is all on the fly right now, the president of the NAACP, and let's not forget the NAACP, which recently issued a warning for black people not to come to Florida, even though Florida is the number one place for small business black ownership. This is NAACP president Derek Johnson, and uh, he's not happy about this, and he's kind of being racist uh, right here. The worst thing about affirmative action is that it created a Clarence Thomas who benefited for the pro from the program and now is in a position where he's going to deny many young African-American talented individuals an opportunity. Historically, the problem has, has been that institutions of higher learning, corporations, companies, and other entities have denied well-qualified African-Americans and other individuals access in terms of admissions, em employment, because of their race. Man, these guys have it so backwards. They think the answer to past discrimination is current discrimination. The only answer to discrimination is equality, not equity, where we rejigger the system so that at the end we all end up the same. That actually destroys uh, human ingenuity, right? It destroys your reason to go out there and get what you can get. Uh, Clarence Thomas, by the way, is on the Supreme Court, uh, not because he is black, but he is a brilliant legal mind. And by that uh, cold open, we showed you he is a fun, happy, joyous, boisterous human being who is treated like absolute crap. That guy, uh, what's his name, Derek Johnson, he would love to kick Clarence Thomas off the Supreme Court if he could and replace him with a white liberal if it would get his political goals in mind. So please spare me the nonsense. Anyway, this is all breaking right now. This is really, I'm telling you guys, this is really, really great. When, when we think, you know, we always talk about how it doesn't have to be this way. All of this crazy race stuff and the, and the gender stuff and all of the endless nonsense that we're dealing with all the time. It does not have to be this way. This is a really nice moment in diverting us back towards something that's decent and diverting us back to something that we had in America and that hopefully we can attain once again uh, because we are removing some of the last vestiges of racism and just watch who will be absolutely hysterical about it. Why is it? Just You just have to know if, if you turn on, if you, I, I don't dare anyone to do it, but if you turn on the view right now, right now they are all screaming and angry and hysterical because for some reason they want Asian people and white people to be discriminated against. Why? And just one more time, why would you want that 17-year-old kid from wherever, who let's say he's from, he's South Korean, it, does, it just doesn't even matter. Any Asian, he's Japanese, he's whatever, it doesn't matter. 
and he works hard and his family came here. No one gave them anything. No one gave my grandparents anything or anyone else. Nobody gave the Irish immigrants anything. Nobody gave the Italian immigrants anything, blah, blah, blah. It's, the Amer it's tough for everybody, right? And it's, sometimes it's tougher for some people and the hope is that the next generation gets it better than you. But their answer to what they perceive as problems of the past is to discriminate against the kids of today. And the Supreme Court just said, no more on that. By the way, that little caveat at the end where the Supreme Court said, you can't make decisions based on race, but a child, child, a young person can actually, when they write their college admissions essay, they can talk about race and how it shaped them, et cetera, et cetera. And that could be a piece, you know, because everyone writes college essays, whatever you might write yours on. Oh, I, I had a parent that died young. It taught me this. I had to take care of my younger siblings. I actually did suffer from racism. I was, whatever it might be, like they can take that into account, but not race in and of itself. Obviously this story ain't going anywhere, but this is a really, really great day for America. And now let's get to the show that we had planned. Uh, it doesn't involve racism that much. I'm sure we can figure out something. Can we get a little racism in the rest of the show? We'll, we'll figure out a way to get it there. Don't worry about that. This is still America in 2023, uh, but it is mostly about the absolute nonsense coming out of the media these days. Jake Tapper went on a podcast. Jake Tapper, who's a Democrat activist pretending to be a journalist at CNN, uh, he went on this Pod Save America show and he said that he would not, he will not interview or platform RFK Jr. because of his dangerous ideas and his misinformation peddling, which is hilarious considering that it's his own network uh, that did a town hall with Donald Trump, which I am completely fine with, but they're the ones that think that Donald Trump is a misinformation peddler, right? And a liar and dangerous to democracy and everything else. And as frustrated as I've been with Donald Trump for the last couple of months, he has actually said far more truth uh, than anything that you're getting on CNN on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. That's gonna set up the show for today. And then we've got a Ruben Report community Q&A, which if you wanna get a last second question in, you can sign up right now at rubenreport.locals.com. And now let's talk about Birch Gold and get to it. Guys, you know that Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, which paved the way for continued reckless spending and the further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold, and you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. And you know, as BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what they're buying? Yeah, gold. Follow their lead. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave today for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave. Do it. Take action today. All right, let's dive right into it. We're going to talk about the mainstream media. We're going to talk about misinformation, also known as information. And then we're going to talk about uh, some of the people who uh, might just be able to clean a little bit of this up. Here, let's start off with Jake Tapper, Democrat activist, CNN host, Jake Tapper, saying he will not platform RFK Jr. Do you think on the Democratic side, you would do a town hall with someone like Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I would not. Okay. Why? Because he spreads dangerous misinformation about childhood vaccines. 
Jake's friends dangerous misinformation. First off, Jake, if you were worried about misinformation, you'd resign. You'd go solo, except nobody would pay to subscribe to you because you're a misinformation peddler. Jake, you pushed Hunter Biden misinformation and Russia collusion misinformation and Jesse Smollett misinformation and all of the other misinformation, COVID misinformation, vaccine efficacy misinformation and the rest of it. But I'm going to talk about JFK with my arms like this. The fact that anyone on CNN could be higher than thou. The idea that RFK cannot be platformed. Again, your network just put Trump on who you guys have complete TDS with, right? Um, you guys put Joe Biden on all the time. You put you, Jake Tapper. How many times in the last couple of weeks alone have you interviewed Corinne Jean-Pierre, the woman who cannot say a single declarative uh, statement of truth? I mean, it's just endlessly nonsensical. Jake Tapper, by the way, you've done a town hall with Joe Biden. Do you think Joe Biden is an agent of misinformation? I mean, it wouldn't be very difficult for us to find Joe Biden saying something completely insane. How about this one? Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Extremism, MAGA Republicans, a very Nazi-like background. Those are the dangerous people. But you'll have no problem platforming him, right? I mean, really, Jake, like sometimes, man, you got to just be a little bit better at the game. Don't give it up to us so easily. We don't want to always see the guy behind the curtain. We like a little pomp and circumstance. Anyway, the elderly man pretending to be President Joe Biden gave a big economics speech yesterday. They're calling it Bidenomics, and uh, it's from Chicago, where how many people were killed in Chicago? Can we get a quick number on this over the weekend? How many people killed in Chicago? How many, I'm going to guess about 40 shot, uh, let's say eight killed. Uh, uh, 40 shot, eight killed. That seems fair to me. Can I get a number? We're on the fly right now. Here we go. Uh, 29 shot, eight, eight killed. 29 shot, eight killed. I got the eight killed right. That's, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Like this is a guy who should be doing what he's doing for a living. I was off a little bit by how many people got shot, but all right, whatever. Anyway, here's Joe Biden in Chicago yesterday giving us Bidenomics. Et cetera. But then we felt a third, rated 13th best interstate, uh, uh, um, investment in infrastructure. Two to 13. Indicated labor to labor leaders. They must expand their ranks. As I said, more women more minorities. That's they got to do. And guess what? Bidenomics is working. It was a lot of that. Slurs, confusion, racism, misogyny, drivel, endless crapola. And then, of course, the big one yesterday, I referenced it during the show, but we didn't have the video yet. Uh, Biden is very confident about what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, because Putin has lost the war in Iraq. <laughs> It's hard to tell, but he's, he's clearly losing the war yeah. in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. And he has uh, become a bit of a fly around the world. Uh, and it's not just NATO. It's not just the European Union. It's Japan. It's, it's you know, it's 49. 
Guys, Putin is losing the war in Iraq, so fear not. I don't know what sort of alternative universe this man is living in, but okay, let's run with it. And here's just some general flubs and confusions and everything else from Joe Biden. Enjoy. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. Whether or not they pull him back from Fallujah and the, I mean, from the... The Kherson. Uh, you know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. To what extent has Vladimir Putin been weakened by recent events? It's hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. Trust me, we could have given you seven hours of that, but we didn't feel like grubbing you over the head today. Uh, anyway, this is breaking news now also from this morning. Headline from CNN, uh, because I thought maybe the reasoning for all of this was that he wasn't getting enough brain. Uh, he wasn't getting enough oxygen to his brain. Biden has begun using CPAP machine for sleep apnea. So you know about this sleep apnea. A lot of people have this, you know, you're sleeping and you're snoring a lot. You're not breathing properly. You're waking up all the time. And actually over time that can start screwing up with your cognition and everything. But it's this big machine that they put on you to basically like force the oxygen in and help it get out. We have breaking video. This is a Ruben Report exclusive. We were able to get video. We are the only show that is going to have this today of Joe Biden putting on his CPAP machine. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Oh man, I'm feeling it today. All right, enough of the drivel and the confusion and everything else. How about, could there be on the horizon a sane leader? A guy who knows what he's doing, who's younger, who has a track record, who says stuff and then does stuff, and is also laying out a vision for the future? Yeah, Ron DeSantis. We need to fundamentally reconstitutionalize the government. You know, we talked about draining the swamp in 2016. That didn't happen. Uh, I think the better analogy is breaking the swamp because you can drain it a little bit. And next guy can fill it back in. Uh, so we're going to fundamentally reshape Washington. What's the, what's we're going to bring major accountability like, to the know, DOJ, to the FBI, okay. IRS. That requires a president that's disciplined, that's determined, and that's not going to get distracted and take their eye off the ball. Are you in favor of, of eliminating any agencies? I know conservatives in the past have talked about closing the Department of Education. Would you do that? So we would do education, we would do commerce, we do energy, and we would do IRS. And so if Congress will work with me on doing that, we'll be able to reduce uh, the, the size and scope of government. But what I'm also going to do, Martha, is be prepared if Congress won't go that far I'm going to use those agencies to push back against woke ideology and against the leftism that we see creeping into all institutions of America. Clear, competent, it's all there. What is he going to do? He's going to eliminate the Department of Education, the Department of Commerce, Department of Energy, the IRS. I like how she was kind of like, the IRS, like, all right, yeah. That would be good. And as he said, even if he can't get Congress to fully do it, there's other ways you can start breaking the swamp. And also the line that I really loved was at the top, reconstitutionalize the government. 
That, by the way, is what just happened this morning. We started reconstitutionalizing the United States of America. We've removed systemic racism in the name of defending the Constitution, which is about equal rights and equal opportunity and all that. Let's go with a little bit more uh, from Governor DeSantis. This is from The Daily Wire. You've really seen a city that used to be one of the best in the country. You've just seen it become hollowed out. And it's a direct result of leftist policy and leftist ideology. I never saw a California license plate growing up in Florida. Then I become governor. We have Californians flooding, leaving San Francisco to go to Miami and other places. It was intolerable to live in this area because they don't care about crime, they don't care about homelessness. No one wants to live under those circumstances. How you doing? It's a pleasure to meet you, Good to see you, man. You're city police? Yes, How long have you been doing it? Uh, 17 years. God bless you, man. You got your work cut out for you here. How you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks so much for your service. Good luck, sir. We appreciate you guys. You guys deserve better support. I mean, it's it's unacceptable that you're going out there risking your life. You can apprehend someone and they just let them go. I mean, it's absurd, so. Yes, it is. Yeah. We appreciate it, sir. So, yeah, yeah. thank you. Great to see you guys. What uh, Biden's allowed to happen at the border is killing Americans with the fentanyl. Our view in Florida is we're gonna help at the border. We're doing that. We're not a sanctuary state. We've banned sanctuary cities. If you bring in illegals from the border and smuggle into Florida, we're gonna hold you accountable for doing that. As president, we'll crack down on sanctuary cities nationwide and sanctuary states. We can withhold funding or whatever. We'll pull every lever uh, that we have and we'll marshal all the assets, military, uh, civilian, you name it. This has gone on for decades and yet it's never been fixed. We'll bring it to a conclusion. What do I always say? What did I say earlier? It doesn't have to be this way. And now the vision is starting to present itself. We can have law and order. Why is it that Florida does not have cities that look like San Francisco? Why is it that one day on this show, what was it, about five months ago, I was going through the numbers uh, of, of homeless in all of these crazy blue cities. I think it was 70,000 in Los Angeles, 40,000 in San Francisco, although per capita in San Francisco, it's a much smaller city than Los Angeles. So it seems like it's a lot more. It feels like it's a lot more. And literally as I was doing it, my phone lit up and it was the freaking mayor of Miami. And he's like, we have 280 homeless people here and I'm working on it, stay tuned. Like we we believe in law and order here. We, we believe that you should not allow endless amounts of illegal immigrants and drugs and all of those things to have our cities and our towns destroyed. And that is what we are trying to now blueprint for the rest of the country, and it can happen. And I'm telling you guys, it's connected to what happened today. This this Supreme Court thing is absolutely huge. We will get rid of racism. We will get rid of the people who think we should not have a border and everything else, and the people who think we should not arrest criminals, and you should be allowed to just dump drugs on our streets and everything else. One more thing from DeSantis, I just thought this was a really great pitch on uh, why he feels that he should be America's next president. What wins the 2024 election? What argument or quality, Democrat or Republican, what's the deciding factor? If the election is a referendum on Biden's failures, and we frame it as that, with a candidate like me offering a better path for America, 
we will win the election. If it becomes a referendum on side issues or other things, and Biden's allowed to stay in his basement all campaign like he did last time, then I fear that, that the Democrats will be able to win. And so focusing on his failures, how he's made America worse, and how we're gonna do it better, not only do you get Republicans, you're gonna get these independents. That's what we did in Florida. We won independence by 18 percentage points. We won over 60% of Hispanics because we were identifying the issues that matter to them. We were fighting the fringe left on all the things they're trying to do. And I think there's a huge majority coalition for that. People want a restoration of sanity in this country, and we can deliver that. The sanity. That's what people want, and I think people can get it. I want to show you one more clip before we get to the uh, community Q&A. I saw this literally 30 seconds before we started the show as all this affirmative action stuff was coming in. Uh, here is a video, an interview that Donald Trump did not too long ago about his feelings on affirmative action, just contrasting that with a little bit of what we just laid out there with Ron DeSantis. Affirmative action. Should we keep it? Yes or no? I'm fine with affirmative action. I mean, should I, it be expanded I spend, or is it should having, be limited? Well, it should be, you know, you have to also go free market. You have to go capability. You have to do a lot of things. But I'm fine with affirmative action. We've lived with it for a long time, and I've lived with it for a long time. And I've had great relationships with lots of people. So I'm fine with it. Kind of meaningless, right? Like kind of meaningless drivel. Like this is not like I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. We've had it. Like one of these neither here nor there things. It's one of the things that has led to the destruction, these horrible ideas that become institutionalized, systemically institutionalized into our colleges. Then they get pushed into our corporations and everything else. And then, you know, and then sort of put on steroids by the media. And then we end up in a society that really should have been post-racial. We were post-racial when I was growing up, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And then we became this crazy racial uh, cacophony of insanity that we are now because of ideas like affirmative action, because of the people who think of themselves as the good guys as they're push pushing race. So that clip right there, the reason I wanted to show it to you, I mean, I saw it right before we started, but it's like, that's the type of thing that I think really separates a Ron DeSantis from a Donald Trump. DeSantis is very, very clean and clear on what he believes and what he's going to do. Donald Trump right there said nothing. He's, he basically said, I'm okay with affirmative action, right? That's what he said. What, what, was the, what was the exact line? I'm okay. I'm fine with it, he said. He said, I'm fine with affirmative action. I also believe in free market and blah, blah. It's like, no, you have to pick one in this case. You cannot be for, I will hire people based on the color of their skin and also be for the free market. Pick one. And we know which one Donald Trump believes in his heart, but he wants to play with both sides on these things. And I just think that there is a better way. Have I made my case? I think so. Let me talk to you guys about Olgar Petco and then we'll get to the uh, community Q&A. Guys, you know, don't all f dog food companies want the best for your dog? No, not really. Pet food companies are pushing trendy ingredients and expensive recipes like fresh and raw, but are they better? No, in fact, most of them have no proven health benefits to your dog. Also, watch as these dog food companies release bug and vegan recipes. It won't just be for us. Uh, it'll show you where their priorities really are. If you don't want to compromise on high-quality ingredients and want science-backed recipes, real proven science, not Fauci science, get Old Guard. It's the only pet food company founded and run by a PhD in pet nutrition with quality ingredients like real chicken, egg, fish, oil, and probiotics. Old Guard's recipes are perfectly balanced with a guarantee with guaranteed health benefits and a taste your dog will love. Clyde is loving this stuff. Everything, including their resealable bags, are made right here in the U.S. of A. 
So right now, go to oldguardpetco.com, subscribe today, and get to get it delivered right to your door using code Dave for a special discount. With Old Guard, you don't have to compromise ingredient quality, your dog's health, or your traditional American values. Buy from a company that puts your your dog first. And now back to me. Okay, RubenReport.locals.com community Q and A. And Brock, if I would like to take one bonus question today that is submitted live during the show. On the fly. There we go. We'll add that to the end. Talway says, with all the bad news you have to comb through every day and all the insanity that just seems to keep mounting, what are some of the ways to help keep yourself going and maintain your sanity other than your month off the grid, especially now that you have kids? I mean, one thing that is very, very good for me, like really good, it's simple, but really good for me is I always tell you guys, the way we do the show, so I'm up at about 7 a.m. Phoenix, you're, you're like, you don't sleep. You're like a vampire at like 5 a.m. I'm getting texts from Phoenix. Like, this is what we're going to do today. Later. Phoenix and I do our thing about 7 to 7.30 a.m. And then 7.30 a.m. I get the boys, hang out with them for about a half hour or so. Feeding, changing, just doing my thing solo. I let David sleep for a little bit. And then we get them in the, the double stroller. I walk Clyde, David walks the kids. Usually about 8 a.m. We do about a half hour and then it's hot. Even This time of year, it's hot in Florida. So at that point, you don't want to take the kids much longer. David goes home, takes the kids. And I usually keep Clyde out probably for like an hour, hour 15. I really try not to look at my phone. Sometimes I get caught on it. But just taking a walk in the morning. Uh, and also now that it's like hot and humid here, like I'm dripping with sweat. Like I feel when I come back, like I've got, I've got some kind of workout. Then I'm, then I'm hungry. I'm ready for some breakfast, but just taking a walk in the morning, like looking around, looking at the trees. Here we've got lizards and peacocks and iguanas and all kinds of other stuff. I find a walk is is really, really good. Uh, The other thing is I really try not to look at my phone as the last thing at night. Again, these are not like hard and fast rules, uh, but I try not to end the day with the phone. I try not to have the phone in the bedroom. Sometimes I have it as my alarm, but I try not to always have that. Those are like two Two good ones. I, I'm telling you guys, just like a walk. A walk is good. Tony says, Team Ruben Report asked us to vote on our favorite design for the new merchandise, but what's Dave's favorite one? So if you did not see it, guys, we relaunched the Ruben Report store, uh, DaveRuben.store. We have about 10 new shirts and items and all kinds of stuff. My favorite one uh, is the Make America Florida one. So what we did there with the colors, Connor and I worked on this thing. Uh, you got your, oh, I've got it right here. They're giving it to me. I've got one right in front of me. I should have worn this on the show today. Maybe I'll wear it on the show tomorrow. First off, you can pick your own color. So this happens to be light gray, but you can pick your color. But what I liked about this was we've got the make in the red. We've got the America in the white. The line, which may be a little hard for you guys to see, is in the blue. So we got the red, white, and blue. We did the Florida in Florida green. And it just, it gets the point across. Make America Florida. And by the way, we're not skimping on the quality of these shirts. This is canvas brand, like you can see, it's kind of stretchy, it fits right. You're not getting like, a, you know, when people get those shirts that look like tarps, or you're not getting ones that are super tight or anything like that. So again, it's Dave Rubin uh, dot store. You can go there right now. Bonnie says, I'm just wondering where Joy Reid's cornrows went. Was that just a Trump era hairdo? Yeah, does she not, you know, we haven't shown a clip of Joy Reid lately. We've been a little light on Joy Reid. No wonder I've been in such a good mood lately. Um, where did her cornrows go? Who knows? And, and who did she culturally appropriate that from, really? Like, where did cornrows originally come from? Jamaica? Is she Jamaican? I, I don't even know. I don't care. It's only the stupid rules that these dingbats live by. Um, God, she's just terrible. 
Critter says, hi, Dave, I live in Alberta and there's been much talk about Alberta separating from Canada since Trudeau is such a douche. I love the word douche. Can we become a state? Have you ever heard, uh, have you heard that our new premier, Danielle Smith, is being compared to Ron DeSantis? You should have a listen to one of her speeches. Uh, she rivals many of the great orators. Uh, I have been in communication with her. We are eventually going to get her on the show. Let me just leave that portion just at that. Not happening just yet, but we're gonna, we're gonna make that happen. And people are saying she's sort of the Ron DeSantis of Canada. Alberta, so you're in Western Canada, Calgary's side of things. Obviously, you guys are the energy producers over there. The Eastern takes a lot of the energy. So there is always this nonstop talk. And especially since they shut down the pipeline and everything, there's this nonstop, or didn't let the pipeline start. Nonstop talk of, of, of uh, some kind of separation. Look, it's sort of like the situation in America. We are geographically moving to different places where our lifestyles are very, very different. If, if you live in Cali and what's being taught in the Cali schools, the way your businesses are taxed, the law and order on your streets, the drugs, the, the crime, all that stuff, that's very, very different than you live in Florida. So the question is at what point, and, and you have a version of this in Canada as well, at what point are we not the United States of America? We are the Confederacy of Independent States of America or something like that. Again, when I talk about it from an American perspective, that is what the founders intended. That's the beauty of federalism. You guys have a tougher version of that in Canada because you don't have federalism. You have your provinces, but, they, but they're not as wildly different or set up to be as wildly different as we have here in America. The other problem with the, the separatist thing, right, if you look at this from like a Star Wars prequel thing, is that, you know, you can start doing it, but like, do these, do these things end well? Do we end up in these like low-grade civil wars? And the other thing is that, you know, the red states, let's just say, if you just thought about it, just thought experimenting this thing, let's just say Texas, Tennessee, Florida, couple, couple states were just like, you know, we don't want to be part of this thing. We, we just want out. We're not asking anyone for anything. We, we just want out. We'll still fund, you know, a, a United States military, but we just don't want part of the endless craziness. The blue states will not let them go. If, the, if California was like, you know what, we're out. I am pretty sure nobody from Florida would be like, nah, we need you, we want all your stuff. We would figure out other ways to get olive oil. We really would. Okay, Greece, we'll go the other way. We'll get it from Greece. But so the blue states will behave differently in the separation than the red states will. Uh, we gotta figure out that asymmetry. But, but for now, the state's going wildly in their different directions because of different governance. And clearly the difference between Florida and California is obvious and I think it's okay. And, and in Canada, you have your own version of that. Uh, Nick says, how do you feel now that Greg Gutfeld technically cannot maintain the title of King of Late Night since Fox has decided to move his show to 10 p.m. instead of the 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Uh, comedian time slot. So Fox just announced that if you didn't see, so, you know, Tucker obviously out at Fox. So Jesse Waters is taken over at 8 PM. And then I guess, is it, so then it's Hannity still at nine, right? And now Gutfeld is moving uh, where they had, uh, what's her name? Laura Ingram was on at 10. They're moving Gutfeld now to 10. And then I guess Laura will be on at 11. Or I don't know. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe Laura, I'm not sure what's going on with Laura, but anyway, yes. So I guess technically, he will not be the king of late night because late night is thought of really starting at 11. Look, it's a little bit of just semantics. It doesn't matter that much. He will still crush it in the ratings. I was just texting him before we started. I'm going to go on the show end of July. He's got a book. So I'll go to New York for that. He's got a book coming out July 25th. I'm going to try to interview him in his studio 
uh, with the audience. Hopefully we can work that out. So I'll do the show. We'll ask the audience to stay. That'll be cool. And then it'll just be me and Greg. Uh, I love Greg. He's doing great stuff. I, I know there's a lot of craziness at Fox right now, but he's just, he's just a good dude and everything else. And he's by far the best person in late night. Just, just period. Uh, I, yes, I would put him above Bill Maher. Like Bill a lot, have my frustrations with Bill, but I think in terms of pound for pound, like watching a fun, sort of loose, messy show, Greg is number one. Uh, WC Georgia says, Dave, is the Democratic Party just going to sit back and watch the Republican Party cannibalize itself? I'm so concerned we're going to do that. Look, I know a lot of people say that, and you know my feelings when I have to criticize Trump or show you a video like that. To some degree, I don't love it because it feels like we'll just eat ourselves and the Democrats will walk through again. You just need to understand, primaries are messy. This happens to be the Republican time to have a primary. The Democrats should be having a real primary, right? Because Biden obviously should not be on the ballot. There should be a full and robust set of characters that are coming out of the Democrat side to get to go, okay, this guy can't do it anymore. Let's have RFK. Let's put up the crazy progressives. Like, like let's have that, throw Bernie out there again. Like, let's do it all one more time. So there should be... It should be on both sides, right? Like it really should be on both sides right now, but, it, but unfortunately it's not with the Democrats. But you gotta understand, primary politics get nasty. People say nasty things. It's a pain. Donald Trump literally said that Ted Cruz's father killed John F. Kennedy, okay? And then Ted Cruz became one of Trump's biggest backers. Marco Rubio became a huge Trump supporter after he demolished Marco. Like it just is this way. The difference this time, I think, is that it doesn't have to be this way this time. It, it is so obvious to me that DeSantis is what the sane future of America is and that he's ready to do it. And Trump has such an incredible opportunity to be the elder statesman and just step back and go, you know, I don't need the glory one more time. Sure, they screwed me. I'm under attack, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? This is the guy. I'm going to run rallies. I'm going to fight for America. He'll pardon me on the other side of this thing. Like there's a deal to be worked out here. And then the Republicans could win in a freaking extraordinary landslide. The problem is if you do it the other way. So for those of you out there that are, that are more on the Trump side of these things, if DeSantis drops out or DeSantis says, you know, I'm just going to back you. There's still no reason to think that Trump will win the general election. Like where are the new Trump voters? DeSantis, we know he can bring in the ex-libs. We've seen the results here in Florida and everything else. So this is up to Trump. Trump can clean this thing up. He could clean this thing up tomorrow. He really could. He could say, you know what? I actually am of a certain age. My back's been bothering me. I'm not going to do it, but I will back this guy. And you know what? It's water under the bridge. You know, I said the stupid things and the sanctimonious and all that, but my family lives here. My grandparents live here. Uh, my grandkids live here. Florida is great. Like, let's roll. Let's roll. And it, we could clean it all up like that. I'm a dreamer. What can I tell you? Kathy says, do you think there will be an attempt to dump Biden and Harris and put Newsom and Pete in their place? Well, as I've talked about before, there, there's just so many things happening right now. You have to know those meetings are happening, right? There is a plan. Joe Biden at any moment, a couple of weeks ago, fell. He could have broke his hip. That would have been it. He, could, he falls upstairs. He falls downstairs. The slurring, the confusion, anything could happen. If he was a lot younger, anything could happen, by the way. You know, any, anything, any horrific thing that you can think of and things that you can't think of obviously could happen. The Democrats know they don't want Kamala because she's just an ab, she has no support. You don't know anyone. I get it. You're watching this show. You're of a certain, let's say, political set of beliefs, but like nobody knows anybody that's out there like Kamala's the future of the party. Like it's just not a thing, right? 
and everyone knows what's going on with Biden. So they are figuring something out, whether it's, whether it's somehow you get Biden to step down right before the election, you get her to come in and then with Gavin as the VP and then she steps down or they do some, some with Pete. I don't know what it is that they are doing, but you just have to know if you are a thinking person, they are thinking this all through. There are plans in place, they are there, and, and we shall see what they do. But again, I really, really believe this. If it is DeSantis as the nominee, there is zero chance it will be Biden. It will be such a contrast, they will not be able to have that on stage. If it's Trump, if it's Biden and Trump, it's just like, even though Trump is obviously a lot sharper, it's just like, all right, we've been through this thing, it'll be like watching a rerun again. Okay, we've done it, everyone vote the way you want, we'll move on. If it's, if it's DeSantis, they have a major, major problem on their hand. Um, and, and I think that probably right there says a lot about Trump as a candidate. Uh, Schmooze Views says, Dave, I would love to hear your take on how the old Truman slash JFK liberal, now led by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., has more in common with the Donald Trump moderate slash semi-quasi-conservatism populist political ideology than anyone in the current leadership of the Democrat party, including treasonous Joe Biden and the squirrel driven mentality of Kamala Harris. First off, you should be a writer. I loved all the uh, extra adjectives in there. Um, yes, obviously, right? I mean, Donald Trump and JFK, anti-war or taxes, these are RFK ideas too, right? They would be on the same side of a lot of things. It just shows you how the labels and everything sort of shifts over time. The, the progressives are the, if you were just look at the map right now, who's the most authoritarian group we have politically in America? Meaning who wants the most state and corporate control? Some might call that fascism over your life. That's obviously the progressives, right? The progressives want state control. They want high taxes. They want the department of education. They want things to control your life as much as possible. Um, then you have, let's say the Republican side. Now you have or I'll whittle the Republican side to like the, the, well, then you have RFK. He's trying to be a Democrat, but his ideas don't fit into that set anymore, right? Then you have, let's take the DeSantis side. The DeSantis side is we are, we are conservative. We're a conservative nation, meaning we're a nation of uh, the rule of law and the constitution. There's ways to fix these things, but unfortunately we have to use state power every now and again to accomplish these things. That's different from what we've seen out of the Republicans of the last 30 years, where they were always afraid to use power. Every time they got power, they were afraid to, oh, no, we're actually libertarians, and we're only gonna worry about tax uh, cuts, and instead of worrying about that there's an invasion at the border, or what's going on in our cities and everything else. So DeSantis, I think, is the one that's, that's going to the right in this case, and using state power effectively. Trump is somewhere in the middle. So Trump is, which is sort of goes to the, affirmative action clip we showed you. He's sort of with the Democrats in that affirmative action is good, but then he also gets the free market. But I think we're past the point where we can deal with this neither here nor there thing. We need someone who can make a declarative statement and then use the government effectively to accomplish those goals. It's obvious what I, who I think that person is. Uh, Mike says, hey Dave, what's your current opinion on the idea of national divorce? So we sort of hit this one. I was always down for debating issues like abortion, guns, and taxes, where there are reasonable arguments on both sides. But now that we're in the territory of butchering kids' genitals, defunding the police, and reducing sentences for the worst criminals imaginable, then maybe it's finally time to tell the left that we had a good run and it was fun while it lasted, but we went our separate ways. Well, I, obviously I hit this question a bit, uh, but, but briefly, 
I would say if you're in a blue state right now uh, and you watch this show and you're, you're living in a place that there's no indication it's going to turn around, that eventually when they bring climate lockdowns, they're going to lock you down again and they won't do it in Florida and they won't do it in Texas and Tennessee and Montana and probably Iowa and South Dakota and we can go through the entire list. Um, you have to decide. So whether it's a national separation, whether it's a national divorce, a confederacy of independent states, that's already happening. It's de facto happening already, right? So you just have to make a decision for yourself. That's why, you know, last week we covered it and then earlier this week we followed up. This crazy bill coming out of Cali where if you do not affirm, which is not affirm, but if you don't affirm, in quotes, your child's gender identity, they could take your child away from you. It's like, if that's not enough to make you leave that state, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Okay, you enjoy paying high taxes, great. Uh, but if they literally, if you live in a place that we might take your kids, your kid thinks he's a girl today. We're going to take your kid. It's on you. It's on you. So you have that ability, that foot vote ability, and you should use it. Elizabeth says, what has been your favorite development milestone for the boys so far? I'm torn between talking and walking. Well, they're not talking and walking yet. So we're, Justin is about 10 months now, a little over 10 months and uh, Luke, or no, just at 10 months. And Luke is just at eight months. Justin, as I told you guys, he's just a nonstop, like crazy energy machine, can't stop smiling and laughing, climbing over everything, scratching everybody's face, pulling wallpaper off the wall, just like grabbing Clyde's tail. He's just nuts. Luke just kind of, he's cool. He's cool hand Luke. He just looks, he stares, he's evaluating you. He'll crawl a little bit, but he's not really into it. Like, um, what's my favorite thing so far? I mean, I just love making them laugh. Like, just love the fact that like, I can like, now I've got it down with both of them. I can just give them a look, like just a little look and a squint of an eye and I can get them both laughing. Like nothing, nothing's better than that. Um, Graham says, hey Dave, what's your favorite keto meal? Well, I'm not keto. I, I've done keto in the past years and years ago, you know, when I had developed that crazy uh, alopecia areata thing and I was losing all my hair and everything else, it's all my hair now. Um, I, uh, I did go keto for a while, but I do, not that I do keto, but we do a lot of, we do a lot of protein and veggies here. So it's a lot of steaks as I'm always posting those pictures of our ribeyes and tomahawks and cowboys. And I do a lot of tri-tip. Um, and I've really been into skirt steak lately, which is a pretty cheap cut, nice and easy, but it's super, super tender. You don't have to know anything about cooking. If you're watching this and you know nothing about cooking, go to your supermarket tonight, get a skirt steak. You can get like a one pound skirt steak and it's, you, you cannot screw it up. Put a little salt and pepper on both sides. You don't have to put anything else. You can do a little garlic powder, a little onion powder if you want, but a little salt and pepper on both sides. Get that grill or your oven going, preheat, throw it on like literally two minutes on each side because the skirt steak is like this. You will have the most perfectly delicious, tender, juicy steak imaginable. So we do a lot of that. And then, you know, I've been busting out this air fryer where I'm doing, I just throw some broccoli in for 10 minutes, broccoli, little lemon, salt and pepper, that's it. Or I'm big on, uh, I'm having a real renaissance right now with arugula. So it's a lot of arugula just with some like light salad dressing. And then occasionally we do some potatoes, but we try, we try to just keep it to a simple uh, protein and veggies. Actually, my folks got here yesterday. They're here for the next couple of days. So made mom and dad some nice salmon on the grill yesterday, little arugula on the side and some uh, roasted baked potatoes, 400 olive oil, salt, pepper, throw it in the, uh, in the air fryer. If you get an air fryer, if you're just like learning how to cook, get an air fryer. It, it makes everything so easy. It, it's a, it's a cheat code, but hopefully it'll get you interested in cooking once you start making some good stuff. Uh, Robin. Oh, and by the way, the, uh, Ruben report locals 
cookbook. It's completed. I have to do my last pass through, but you guys submitted tons and tons of resumes. Daphne put this together for us. I have to give it one more look and then we will release that in the community uh, sometime next week. Robin says, any update on who will host the GOP debates? I had the guys check right before. It's gonna be Martha McCallum, who I like Martha a lot. You know, that's probably the show I do more on Fox than anything else at this point, maybe, maybe Dana. Uh, it's gonna be Martha McCallum and Brett Baer. I think they're both decent, fair journalists, fine people. I think that'll be a good set. And reminder, that will be our comeback show. So the Off the Grid August, it's abbreviated this year. August 23rd is the debate. I will be in Milwaukee. We'll get there with the team on the 22nd. My comeback show will be the morning, 11 a.m., the morning of the 23rd at the debate. We'll do a pregame show at the debate. Uh, I guess that'll be about six o'clock or so. Then the debate, which is live streaming on Rumble, not on YouTube, on Rumble exclusively. And then we'll do a postgame show and we'll see which of the candidates we can get. Uh, Joe says, are there any plans to take the Rubin Report on the road, similar to how radio shows will occasionally do events on location instead of the regular studio? Yeah, we've been discussing a whole bunch of these kind of things. We're working on a, on a live studio audience situation because that's the one thing that I miss. That's the one thing that when I go and I do Gutfeld's show, I freaking love it. I love the live laughs. I love the interaction. I love that spontaneity and that crackle that can only happen when you have a true live audience. So we're working on some stuff on that front. And yeah, I think, you know, this, this year in particular, uh, obviously with the boys and, you know, being a new father and everything, I was trying to limit the amount that I was traveling as we get into the fall then and, and, you know, they've got a year behind them respectively. Then I think we can start getting out on the road a bit more. So stay tuned on that. We got one more for you. Benjo says, Dave, would you create some Spotify playlists to share with the Ruben Report community? It's funny you ask because my mom requested the same thing this morning because we always keep, uh, we keep music playing throughout the house. We have many, many different zones here. And obviously my guys are using a portion of the houses as an office and everything else. So I try to keep some ambient stuff going on. Uh, so yes, I, we will. I once shared in the community my, I've shared a couple playlists over time, but I once shared my party perfection playlist, which is my six hour incredible. I mean, guys, would you say it's the greatest party playlist you've ever heard? So far, so far, Brockton. So, so far in life, it's the best one I've ever heard. Like I've created the most beautiful party for pe perfection playlist. It's about a six hour playlist that I've put together over the last year that I play at all our, but we do the, you know, our holiday party. We do it at my birthday party, whatever. Like I'll put that up and, and a couple others. And finally, we have a question from Brock himself. Wow. Oh, this is not from Brock. Oh, Brock threw the question in, but this is from James. Dave, what are the three basic and fundamental aspects of playing basketball? That's a good one. Well, first off, what you're going to want to do when you shoot, you want to get the ball lined up. You want the lines lined up with your hand this way. And when you shoot, you want it to roll off your fingers. That's why when you shoot, if somebody really can shoot, they get a swan at the end. That's what they call it. They call it the swan. It's sort of a limp wrist, but it's the swan. You want it to just roll the ball to just roll off, right? You don't want to just throw a rock up there. You want it to just roll off. That's one little thing that I can tell you. Another thing, when you're playing defense, you want to look at the, don't look at the guy's eyes and his face. That's going to, you're going to get faked out. How about you look at his hips? His hips aren't going anywhere. And I can tell you one thing as four, as 47 year olds with the torn ACL in my knee, it's, it's not offense that I struggle with. It's defense, believe it or not, because defense, you have to react. So on offense, like I know how I can kind of work with my knee to still be able to do things on defense, especially if I'm playing with like a 22 year old, it's like, oh. I'm, I'm trying to go. My, my, my body's like three feet behind me. Uh, those are two good ones. And uh, how about one more? How about one more? Learn how to set a pick, a basic pick. Nobody knows how to do anything anymore. We've had a destruction 
of everything across the board in terms of people being able to functionally do anything, know how to stand there and set a pick. So especially if you're a big guy, so that the so that the little guys can get around and drive to the hoop for a give and go, or so that they can set up for a jump shot because you block the other guy off. Like you know those three things, you will always be welcome to play on my court. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the show for today. Uh, I'll be spending the rest of the day with my parents and the kids doing stuff, I guess. I heard that there was a, a delivery of some sort of truck with uh, some sort of electronic, I don't like electronic toys. My parents insisted on this electronic toy. We've got cow sounds downstairs and horses and things like that. I like wooden toys. Like you give me a wood toy for a kid that spins with like a little, pe like a little marble in there and it's just like, that's my kind of toy. My parents like these, wee, wah, meh, 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 like all this stuff, and, the, and then the cows and the horses and everything. So we're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take some batteries out actually once they leave, but don't tell them I said that. Anyway, if you wanna play along, rubenreport.locals.com. And my full interview, by the way, of Ray Shelton. Remember a couple weeks ago, we showed you this video of this really interesting uh, high school teacher from Glendale, California. He was on Dr. Phil, and, uh, and he was talking about how they're, you know, sexualizing the kids and all the woke nonsense in schools. And eventually he got fired because of it. Well, we, we had him on the show for about 45 minutes. Really interesting uh, interview. So if you want to check that out, that is up across the board. Uh, we leave you with a cold close. Oh, do we not throw to the... Uh... Oh, no, we're not. This isn't the post game. I'm doing a Q&A right now. Jeez. Long day. We got a post game coming for you in about 20 seconds. Cold close. Little Obama-Biden mashup. Enjoy, and then we'll see everybody else on the other side. Ciao. Compromises means no one got everything they want. But that's the responsibility of governing. And the, this is a deal is good news, for, I believe, you'll see, for the American people. The agreement prevents the worst possible crisis, a default for the first time in our nation's history. An economic recession, retirement accounts devastated, millions of jobs lost. It also protects key priorities and accomplishments and values that congressional Democrats and I have fought long for. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.com.